Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the brand new episode of the Zeno Podcast. I'm Pari Nadrajan, CEO of Zeno, and I'll be your host today. It is my pleasure to introduce Avanish Sahai, board member, investor, mentor for B2B SaaS, cloud computing, and nonprofit. Avanish has held several C-level and leadership positions in product, marketing, channels and alliances across a range of early to mid-stage B2B companies, as well as tech giants like Oracle, Salesforce, ServiceNow, and Google Cloud. He's become a recognized expert on building and leveraging the power of ecosystems and platforms to scale businesses non-linearly. Welcome to the Zeno Podcast, Avanish. Great to have you with us today. Hey, Pari. So good to talk to you again. And thank you for having me. Excited to chat. Fun topic. Uh, great. So you've been doing this whole platform partnership for a long time and truly an industry expert. Can you take us through the evolution of uh, platforms and the ecosystem around that? You know, you had the client server era, then we moved to the cloud era. And now we are in the cusp of moving to the AI-led software era. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's been fun to be a part of the journey, and I agree a lot has changed. So maybe just to give a bit of context setting, right? I think in the the old old days in the '80s and '90s, you know, the typical partnership structure tended to be more of a you know, what we would now call a channel or reseller, right? It's a bit of an arms length relationship, and the channel partner reseller basically was a distributor of either hardware or software or both. And it was a margin play. There was relatively little engagement between the participants other than a bit of a financial transaction, right? Then I think, as you mentioned, the client server era started to evolve and some more packaged software started to emerge and become more prominent. And then I think the partnership model started to change, right? So one, you had some mutual dependencies. You had, you had SAP running primarily on top of the Oracle database. Well, guess what? They may compete now, but that was a form of partnership. You had to make it work together, right? Uh, there was a technology relationship there. Or you had the big consulting firms, Deloitte, Accenture, EY, KPMG, building practice areas around, again, SAP, Siebel, PeopleSoft, et cetera. A big emerging category in the 90s and early 2000s, and frankly, built massive businesses, consulting and implementation, delivery, maintenance, support, et cetera. So that was, I think, first set of big changes in the partnership world. Then, as you mentioned, you know, the cloud era really was a pretty fundamental change. Why? Because now you didn't have this decoupling of hardware platforms versus software versus services. Things were more tightly coupled. And I had the, the privilege to help build one of the first ones in those, which is at Salesforce in the late 2009-2010 era where you really had a lot a deeper dependency. And that, I think, created this notion of an ecosystem, which is not just an arms-led partnership, but really how do you orchestrate across all these things? You will have tech partners, you will have ISVs, you will have resellers, you may have managed service partners. You have a lot of different forms of relationship which we can talk more about. But then really, it's orchestrating all those to work together. Uh, and that's why I like to use the term ecosystem more and more, because I think it defines it better than just a partnership. 
And, and finally, now, as you mentioned, I think we're in the cusp of the next generation of this. AI is definitely going to change a lot of things. And it brings a new set of, again, skills, capabilities. Right? You will have companies providing infrastructure. You will have companies providing more of the models and expertise. And then you may have third parties building applications and solutions and delivery. So it, it's a fun fun time to be involved in all this and, and seeing how, how things evolve. Great. This thing sounds like a super exciting times ahead. So uh, stepping back into your experience with Salesforce, and they were one of the first ones to build the whole ecosystem uh, in Force.com and so on. And you had an interesting story about the name App Store. Can you talk us through the Apple and, and Salesforce? Um, they both almost build one a consumer yeah. platform, another one an enterprise platform. Yeah, this is part of the lore of this world of app stores and ecosystems. Uh, in that Mark Benioff, founder and CEO of Salesforce, was very close friends with Steve Jobs of Apple. And Mark, in fact, had worked at Apple early in his career. And as the story goes, as the iPhone was being launched and Steve was considering how to build this ecosystem around the iPhone, which we now you know, use every day, don't even think about it. But this notion of apps and how the apps would kind of add value to the hardware and iOS platform that they were primarily building. And the, the story is that Mark had the term App Store in his pocket. And he essentially gave it to Steve Jobs so that Steve could launch the Apple App Store, and which has now kind of become the, one of the primary ones. And then when Salesforce itself decided to launch its B2B version of that, we had to come up with a different name. And in this case, it was App Exchange, which was launched in uh, about 2007. So yeah, some, some fun history there of how things overlap in the, in the Silicon Valley. And uh, we talked about the app exchange, and we also talked about the ecosystem. Right? And what are some of the early successes, even before Force.com, right, in the client-server era, what would you call yeah. as, a, as a great success? Look, I always tip my hat to Microsoft. I think Microsoft was one of the original companies. By the way, I've competed with Microsoft. I have been a consultant to Microsoft. I've been a partner of Microsoft. I've worked at companies that Microsoft has invested in. So I have a long history with Microsoft. And I always admired kind of their focus on both the developer ecosystem, right? They, I think, really created that mindset of a more of an open environment. And even to date, in all their evolutions, they've kept the developer ecosystem as one piece of it. And then, of course, their whole partner ecosystem of resellers, channel partners, VARs, all these different set of businesses that frankly built their whole livelihood and their business around the Microsoft platform. Um, in the Windows era, and now in the cloud era. And Microsoft always has had a terrific perspective of respecting and working with their partners, no matter how big or how small, and making them an integral part of their core strategies. So I think Microsoft, and, and you know, we could also pro probably talk about IBM and others, but I think in the software world, um, I would say Microsoft has been probably the, the early and most successful story of really thinking this through. And we um, also, I have listened to your podcast and where you interviewed uh, the leadership team from AWS. And their marketplace strategy has been a tremendous success, especially things like private offers. And how do you see that evolve? You know, we had the Microsoft, which is in the client server era, then we had Salesforce, and then AWS came in and then built a completely uh, new ecosystem around it. So that talk us through a, a bit more in terms of how they are a bit different. Yeah. So I think it's important just to not to put too many acronyms out there, right? But, you know, if you think about Microsoft, like you said, client server, right? There was, there's a bit of this infrastructure relationship. Salesforce, ServiceNow, right? Some of the others 
platforms as a service, right? Where they provided not just the core hardware infrastructure, but also set of services on top of that. Now, what AWS and GCP, Google Cloud Platform, Azure have done in the last, uh, I would say really seven, eight years, is once again transform the business, right? Which is most of us who think about starting a software business, we don't want to be in the business of buying and deploying and configuring hardware, managing a data center, et cetera. And you want to be able to scale up, scale down, add services quickly, et cetera. So what AWS has led, and, and it is truly mind-boggling to see how much they've grown, how quickly, is really become uh, kind of the leader. Right? I think they have 35 38% market share of the infrastructure as a service play. Right? And most companies now, large, small startups, public, private, government, uh, everybody kind of tends to think of cloud first. And what they're doing is basically providing that infrastructure at scale globally with very high performance, high availability, a lot of flexibility, you know, around regulatory issues, et cetera. And in doing that, you know, them and GCP, where I used to work and Azure, they do these mega contracts with end customers. And as part of those mega contracts, they're bringing to the, to, to the, to the table uh, what they call their marketplaces. Right? And the marketplaces are third parties that have been configured or certified to run on those infrastructure service platforms and make it really easy, really emphasize easy from a engagement perspective. So it's easy for customers to find them in the marketplace. It's easy to maybe do a trial. It's easy to purchase and the contract, the contract process is actually built in. Uh, and I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And then it's easy to deploy, change, configure, et cetera. So it really is very customer-centric approach to use these infrastructure as a service marketplaces, GCP marketplace, Azure marketplace, AWS marketplace, to consume software from third parties, which is their ecosystem. And really, ultimately, the economic benefit is what matters. So let's say AWS sells a big contract to an end customer. Those customers can then burn down the commitments they made to those infrastructure providers by deploying these partner ISV solutions in that environment. So it's a, again, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't do it justice to summarize it so quickly here, but it's a fascinating evolution. And if you look at some of the market researchers, uh, including some of your competitors, I think they would say, look, this is one of the biggest trends in the software space is consuming software through marketplaces is growing at an absolutely torrid, torrid pace. Uh, very interesting. So the initial wave, it was about more technology integration. Like you said, SAP and Oracle, they have to make it work together, but the go-to-markets were not synchronized. Right now, it seems like there is a high level of alignment in go-to-markets. If you're in a marketplace, the salespeople can go and sell you know, a billion dollars of uh, credits and they can retire the credits by consuming the ISVs on top of the marketplace. Perfect summary. Exactly right. Yeah. We talked about the larger companies, but if you talk to CEOs of VC funded large companies, everybody says, hey, I want to be a platform. And then the two things they want to do is sign a partnership with Deloitte and Accenture. And then, okay, and that's my partnership. Um, yeah. And they are large companies, right? They don't want to work with smaller ISV. They don't have a lot of mind share. So how do you advise the CEOs of VC companies? It's a great question. And I do spend a lot of time doing that now in my, uh, in my retirement. And I think there's a couple of ways to think about it, right? I think first and foremost, and that's what I usually, when I have some of these conversations, I tend to ask them, 
is do you have a clear definition and picture of what being a platform means and why uh, are you looking to build that ecosystem, right? And the reason for that is the definition of a platform could, could vary. Not everybody has to be the next AWS or at next GCP. It could be that you're focused in a particular industry or functional area and you're helping define maybe a, a kind of a core data model for that function or business. And as part of being a platform, it's about creating APIs that allow other technologies, other companies to plug into that. That's a platform too. It uh, doesn't require the big investment perhaps, but it's also this mindset of being API first. So I think having clarity on that point on you know what what does it mean to be a platform? And then two, you know, what does that ecosystem then uh, look like? Right? Is it exposing those APIs that I mentioned and having a bunch of other companies integrate to you? Or, you know, do you have a very complex process redesign, consulting uh, rich opportunity that then, you know, the Deloitte's, Accenture's, EYs, et cetera, uh, could look at that and say, you know, I can build a multi-hundred million dollar service line around this technology. So there's a lot of, before those, I know that uh, a lot of companies, especially VC-backed, uh, always have that as on their list of, I want to get involved with one of the, you know, the global SIs, the GSIs. But I think having real clarity on what you're trying to do, number one, and two, candidly, what's in it for them? Like, like you rightly said, you know, they can't engage with hundreds or thousands of small companies. They need to really understand, um, you know, is this VC-backed company solving a real problem that my clients have? And around that, I can build a substantial practice area with hundreds, if not thousands of certified consultants, et cetera. That's kind of the, the thinking that needs to happen before you build the alliances function or hire your first partner manager and so on. Got it. Interesting. So one is do the right thing for the customer. So it's, it's whenever there is doubt, do the right thing for the customer. Yep. Let's start with that yep. and have very strong clarity on build by and partner. Exactly right. It, it is, again, I think the partner, sorry, the customer first mindset is critical and that involves a huge number of organizations within, the, within your own team, uh, sales and customer success, et cetera, have clarity on that. And then two, uh, frankly, it, it's part of the alliance leader's job to figure that thing out. It gives a roadmap for leaders who are looking to get into uh, building an ecosystem. Yeah. So my final question on the future, are there a new kind of ecosystem partners you can envision who would, who would come in in the future? Uh, we have the developers, we have the market ISVs, we have GSI, the regional GSI, large GSIs. You have the developer community, which is yeah. more citizen developers. You know, a whole lot of and citizen developers is relatively new with low code. Yeah. Uh, kind of technology evolving, but other other things in the AI world, uh, you see a new kind of partners emerge. Yeah, I, I think it, it'll be fascinating to watch. So one one thing I've been keeping track of, and I think they're starting to see some early stories around this, is frankly, we talk a lot about, you know, the companies we typically talk about are other technology companies or SIs and so on, right? We don't talk about is a lot of end customers are actually thinking about how do they monetize their own IP? So, you know, there's there's one example which, uh, which is public. So there's a company called Visor, right? Which is a, it's a joint venture between Salesforce and Ford Motor Company. And, and, and basically it's Ford basically coming out and saying, you know, we want to build 
a software business that is complementary to our uh, commercial truck business. And if you think about that, it's a different bit of a different concept. And they're you know they're out there and they're um, they're selling their products and so on. I think, and I've had a number of those kind of conversations with large end customers, traditional companies who are thinking about how do they become you know themselves, maybe a technology company or maybe a software company. But the only way they can do that is by participating with other ecosystems. I could see that happening in financial services, in logistics and transportation, in you know all, uh, healthcare. So I think there's a lot of interesting ideas that will come out of you know the continued evolution of the technology stack. That's very interesting. So uh, somebody could buy a build an AI model for fintech. And then say, hey, I can make that available on a on a, a force.com marketplace, App Exchange, or AWS or GCP, and other customers can and, and consume that. So, in some level, um, they are monetizing the assets they have built uh, internally. Uh, fascinating. Hundred percent, exactly. And and by the way, SVU, you mentioned AI a few times. I mean, in the world of AI, the models only get better as you get more data. And one way to get more data is to bring, you know, maybe even some of your competitors, some of your suppliers, some of your customers all into that that same framework. So uh, I think there's some amazing things that are gonna come out of that. Interesting, like how the, you know, the tower infrastructure by the uh, telecom company became a shared infrastructure. Similarly, yep. the AI models could become shared infrastructure. Great analogy, great analogy, yeah. Thank you, Avanish for taking us through the evolution of partnerships, key industry success stories, and what organizations should be cognizant of when outlining their partnership strategies. Pari, always a pleasure to talk to you. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for making the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zeno Podcast, Business Resilience Series. Tune into the second part of the conversation with Avanish, where we explore the challenges that organizations face in their partnership journey and how leaders can address them effectively. Till then, take care and stay curious. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenove Podcast.